This is a soul in the game job. And if you want someone's soul in your game, you're going to have to take a little bit more energy and effort to describe who you are, what you've done, what you're trying to do, and what the opportunity is for somebody else. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. This week's show is inspired by something we absolutely love is when a listener of this show writes us a question. Makes it easy. Makes it easy to create a pod. This week, we'd like to thank the virtual CFO, Ben McAdam, who's actually been on this podcast before, writes to us and says, I remember not so long ago that you guys said you would never do this again. And what he's referring to is us hiring an apprentice. He said, I'm interested to hear on a podcast how you're thinking about this, unless you've already mentioned it and I'm just way behind on EPS. No, Ben, you are not behind. We haven't talked about this concept of apprentices and how we construct them and why or why not we're doing them in quite some time. And since we've recently brought someone new on our team, we'd like to talk about it here today. And if you stick around to the end, if you're looking for a dream job, if you're looking to get an apprenticeship yourself, I'll have some quick tips for you at the end of this episode, because I do believe, it certainly was the case for me, that getting an apprenticeship was my way into entrepreneurship. So before we get into that, I think we have to do some definitional work at the top here and make a distinction between what is an intern, what is an apprentice, and what is a professional. Because Ben, I think when I made those comments some years ago, that I was in this mode where, hey, I'm only going to hire professionals. I'm done working with these young kids. We are so pro now. I only want to work with the best of the best. And I was in this mindset for a variety of reasons, one of which being I wanted to hand the business over to the professionals. I didn't want them to call me. You know, I wanted to step back. What we talked about a few weeks ago called the Ferris flaw. I wanted to be out. And so part of the problem with having a bunch of interns running around or apprentices is that they're more higher maintenance than professionals. Well, things change. And one of the things that changed in my thinking, Ben, was that I felt like I wanted to get back involved in our business. And I felt like we needed energy around. We needed people that maybe weren't so professional, that were willing to shake things up a little bit. I was reading this book by Michael Lombardi called Gridiron Genius, and he graciously came on the show a few weeks back. He told this story of how the New England Patriots bring in these apprentices. Day one, they sort of pour coffee, but eventually they bring in innovations into the business, and years down the line, they become the legacy of the organization. They go on to be the next generation of coaches. They had learned brick by brick from the ground up what it meant to be a part of a great culture. And in a very small way, Ian and I have done that over the years, bringing in young people, sort of handing over the keys to our business to them and letting them run with it. And I sort of thought, like, how did I get away from this? What, <laughs> how have I forgotten about this? And by the way, if it's good enough for Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, 
is certainly good enough for me. And it's just sort of that vortex of motivations, Ben, that made me think, man, I really want to create another apprenticeship. And so we did, Ben. We went out and we created an old school apprentice blog post outlining what our vision for the position was and what we were looking to do. And we did. We brought somebody new into the business and we flew him out to DCBKK. He got to meet all the DCers and the whole team. And, and so far, it's been a really rewarding experience. And we've gotten a tremendous amount done in the business, which is at the end of the day, what we're trying to do here. So are apprenticeships for everybody? Certainly not. But what we're going to talk about today is what they can do for you potentially and how you can avoid some of the mistakes that we made in doing this and get the most out of them. Before we get into these do's and don'ts, I think there's two core things I want to make a distinction about. The first one is something I've been prattling on about for months, weeks, and years now, which is that entrepreneurs, you are sitting on a gold mine. And that gold mine is the opportunity to offer someone the know how, which is knowledge gained through experience. It's not knowledge that you get from a book of controlling your own financial and creative destiny. I almost feel a little bit weird saying those words because they're so big, but it's so true. It's something that I believed so deeply in my heart when I was in my earlier 20s. I like knew there was someone out there like an entrepreneur, like someone who knew how to do life, this like sort of career financial vortex. I mean, I was very depressed at the prospects for my career. The idea of essentially having to have like a boring job for the rest of my life. And I knew that intuitively that there was something out there like this. And it was that intuition that made me feel so confident to run apprenticeships as an entrepreneur because I just know that this exists. I know that there's this incredible thirst for this knowledge. And so that's the first principle I'd like everyone that owns a business to understand is that you've really stumbled onto something special. And if you're willing to offer that to someone else, it can be a pretty magical arrangement. The second thing is to make a distinction between interns, which I've done in the past with less success, and apprenticeships. So the idea of an internship is you're giving someone sort of the bottom of the barrel work. Traditionally, you'd say like the intern is the person who makes the coffee. And in return for that, they're getting you know, some experience on their resume. And that's all fine and good. If you want to do that, I don't have any problem with that. But this idea of an apprentice is really much different. I mean, the promise you're making to an apprentice is that they're going to have a seat at the table, and that table is where decisions get made in the business. And that's going to be an enormous time input for you. I always think of Meryl Streep in The Devil Wears Prada. I love the way she treats this relationship with her interns, like, just do not even like enter my field of view. Well, it's the exact opposite with an apprentice. You're actually bringing them in. And that's part of the promise. I mean, that's part of the deal. The apprentice is agreeing to work at below market rate, to do the dirty work, to help build the business. And in return, they expect access to that know-how, to the decision-making table. And that's something that you're going to have to be willing to offer if you want to build an apprenticeship inside of your business. So without further ado, here are some of our do's and don'ts of hiring apprentices. All right, so up first, do invite them into an explicit 
culture. We talk often about vision and principles, and you may or may not have them in your business, but if you want to bring an apprentice onto your team, it's critical that you make your vision, your path, and your principles explicit. Now, a lot of people don't do this, frankly, because you know, you're busy running your business and setting aside a few hours to write what feels like this, I don't know, it can feel like an airy-fairy document about vague terms. But think about this. I mean, you're bringing somebody off the street from scratch who doesn't have professional experience. There is no detail that is not worth describing given all the thought you've put into it. This stuff is already inside of you. So my strong recommendation is that you sit down and you, you write down, like, what is the purpose of your business? What is your vision statement? What are you trying to accomplish? How do you deal with your customers? What are the principles that you won't violate in order to deliver your product or service to your customers? In our case, our goal is to help entrepreneurs go great location independent businesses. Now, how do we do that? We do that through connecting them in person. We do that through producing a podcast that we love. We do that by hooking up founders with people who are seeking remote jobs, through dynamite jobs. Now, how do we do that? Here's one. If I can remember some of them off the top of my head, this idea of if you get an email from a customer and you're tempted to think this customer is not a good customer or is being rude or doesn't understand what I'm trying to say, that's not how we think in our company. Instead, we ask ourselves, how do we communicate our message to this customer that they're misunderstanding us? What sort of filters do we have in place such that we're forced to deal with this sort of personality? You know, those sort of principles make all the difference for apprentices who are coming in with not always the clearest job scope, but you know, their task is to figure out a way to move the company forward. So I believe that apprentices need more cultural information than professionals. All right, next up, don't invite them into a no upside environment or an upside where they're tasked with creating the upside themselves. Look, if they knew how to grow a successful business, they'd be out there doing it for themselves. The biggest mistake that I see entrepreneurs doing with apprentices, they get lazy and they treat apprentices like they do this myth of this sort of inside or outside salesperson. You can be like, hey, I have a business. I have a product. I could sell more if somebody was selling. So pick up the phone and sell more. That's not really a real legitimate opportunity. That's just a sales position. The opportunity that you're providing to an apprentice is to say, hey, here's a growth area of the business that I'm focused on. I know how it's growing. I know how that growth works. Now I need your help in exploring it and pushing it further. That's a very different thing than saying, picking up the phone and generating sales is the same thing as making coffee. It's, a, it's sit at the end of the table, don't bug me, go to the business. Well, you're not going to get good results that way. And it's part of the reason, coming back to Ben's original question, there was sort of an inside story, a sort of behind the pod story to all this, which was part of the reason we stopped running internships for other companies, which we were doing at the time, was they were abusing it. They were abusing this idea that someone was willing to put their soul and energy into their business, and they weren't giving enough in return, aka putting them on the important stuff, putting them on the core tasks in the business. So I consider this lazy, misleading, and it's not what apprentices are looking for. So don't invite them into a no upside or a purely business development environment. 
All right, next up. Don't invite an apprentice to do a job a professional, even a low or paid one, should be doing. Now, this is to come back to the top. There's a difference in mindset between an apprentice who's looking to build a career, who's looking to shake things up, who is not really thinking much about themselves, right? They're thinking about the task at hand and pouring themselves into it and figuring out where it goes. You know, the thing that they're doing on day one might look completely different and ought to really from the thing that they're doing on day 70. These aren't people with a strong professional identity that have an ego tied up in that identity and want to execute at a high level as a professional. And so look, if you have an established source of revenue in your business, products, services that need to be delivered to your customers with professionalism, with focus, with speed, hire somebody that knows what the hell they're doing. You know, that's not what an apprentice does. An apprentice is trying to figure things out. An apprentice is questioning everything. An apprentice is sort of like an entrepreneur in training. You can think of it that way. People who are asking difficult questions, maybe even slightly annoying to the professionals around them because it's like, why are you questioning me so much? I know what I'm doing. I'm a professional. But there is value in that questioning. And that's part of the energy you're inviting into your business when you step up to the plate to bring an apprentice into your company. So it's not without risk that you're doing this. Look, you're going to disappoint your customers and your apprentice if you have your apprentice do tasks that a professional should be doing. Today's show is sponsored by Ahrefs. I know many of you love and use Ahrefs. And for those of you listening right now, we got a special offer for you today. So stick around. If you don't know, Ahrefs is the number one go-to tool for optimizing SEO traffic results because of their enormous backlinks index. I would have killed for something like this 10 years ago when I was getting started in SEO. But Ahrefs is a whole lot more sophisticated and comprehensive than that. It's actually a full suite of SEO tools, sort of like a Swiss army knife of SEO. So whether you need to run a technical site audit, do competitor research, or identify high value keyword opportunities, Ahrefs does it all. So if you wanna rank higher in Google and send your search traffic through the roof, go check out Ahrefs today. It's at www.ahrefs.com. They run a seven day trial for just $7. So you could sign up for Ahrefs and see what this enormously comprehensive tool can do for just seven bucks. And here's what's better for one listener of today's episode, they're offering a free light annual account worth nearly $1,000. All you need to do is tweet at Ahrefs and at Tropical MBA, letting us know why you deserve to win. And big ups to Ahrefs for that generous offer and for sponsoring today's show. All right, next up, our final don't, which is don't be surprised when apprentices question your business or approach or find things that you didn't expect. Here's the reality. The number one reason that apprentices leave is because the founder is being obstinate to their energy, to their direction, and their suggestions. Essentially, Apprentices require, encourage, and promote growth. And strangely enough, it's often the founders that are standing in the way of that. There might be a reason your business isn't growing, and that reason might be you. 
And you might not like all the ways in which these apprentices question you, and your staff might not like it either. It happened in my own case. I feel that, you know, I eventually left what was my apprenticeship because we had a disagreement, a high level disagreement about the direction of the business. And he didn't want to go that way. And we'll never know whether I was right or whether he was right. But that moment is probably going to happen. And again, this is what you're signing up for. To come back to something we talk about often in our hiring episodes, you're not going to be able to hire an apprentice by saying, hey, I'm so-and-so, become my apprentice. Here's what we'll do. Apply here. The reality is at the end of the day, your apprentice might force you to have an ego check yourself. So don't be surprised when your apprentice starts questioning your business and your approach to it. So speaking of egos, let's keep the ball rolling with our next point. It's a do. Do look for those with no ego. What do we mean by this? Why would you want somebody with no ego? Let's make a distinction between ego and ambition. I once heard Ian say of somebody that we were evaluating for a position, and he said, I don't know whether this person is running towards something or running away from it, but that act of running so hard towards or away from something allows them to put their full selves into something else, whether it be a project or a business or a creative pursuit. And you'll often find that people with a strong professional identity are not quite in a position to do this. They have a stronger sense of gravity. And what they're looking for is a strong fit between an organization and their professional skill set, which is their identity and their ego. And so when we're looking for successful apprentices, we're looking for people that aren't thinking about themselves, but they're thinking about the project. They're thinking about the business, about the opportunity. And we find that that works a lot better than with people with a stronger sense of identity. At the end of the day, the way an apprentice engages with your business is totally different than a way a professional does. And you're looking for someone who's free, free from a professional identity that they can engage in the projects in front of them with all of their energy. So consider that difference between finding someone who's ambitious and confident and willing to stand up for an idea rather than maybe someone who's more concerned about standing up for a professional identity that they have for themselves. And finally, do understand the enormous time investment that you're signing up for here. And this sort of comes back to the top of the episode and Ben's question, which is maybe part of the reason we didn't do this for a few years is that we weren't willing to invest the time that apprentices require. The onboarding, for example, of an apprentice is enormously intense, which is Part of the reason that I took the opportunity to do this around DCBKK, I knew that not only would working the event together give our apprentice an enormous amount of experience, but being able to essentially live and work together for a few weeks in a a very intense environment was important to... I mean, we're not talking about just like, here's our expectations for the work, here's our clients, here's how we delivered on time, now go do a test project so I can see whether... it's, It's like, no way, we are going to the mat. Again, we're bringing them into the table, the table where decisions get made. That means personal motivations need to be clear. That means the different personalities involved need to be discussed. That means 
discussing resources that are not entirely clear from the outset. I mean, essentially, we're talking about the most important, the highest level business conversations. And this, when I was an apprentice, was the most thrilling thing in the world to me. I knew that I was the lowest paid person in the office. I didn't care at all. I knew that I was going to be doing a lot of grunt work. Again, I did not care at all. What motivated me was that I was sitting there with the founder of the business talking about what his personal goals were for the business and how he felt he could achieve them and trying to find, because I, again, I was running away from something. I was trying to figure out what role can I play in that? And that to me is where the magic happens. So do understand that this isn't a SOP. This isn't a go do a good job and I'll promote you. This is an enormous time investment on your part. So quickly to recap, do invite your apprentice into an explicit culture, one that you've taken the time to write down. This includes your job ad, which cannot look like a normal job ad. Again, you're asking a lot more. It means you've got to give a lot more, and that's going to include your story and the story of your business and what role others can play in it. Don't invite them into a no upside environment, and please don't tell them to get on the phone and make sales. That's just lazy. Don't invite an apprentice to do a job a professional should be doing. Don't. Be surprised when your apprentice starts to question your approach to your own business. Do look for those with no ego, but a ton of ambition, ideally. And do understand the enormous time investment that you're signing up for. If you're anything like me, you're going to find it fun. It can bring a lot of meaning and value into your business to mentor young future entrepreneurs inside the crucible. That is your small business. The last time we talked about apprentices on this podcast, we got a comment in the comment section, which we read. And the comment said, hey, a lot of us that are listening to this pod, we want to be the apprentice. We feel like this is an enormous opportunity. How about you give some tips for us? So we decided today we could do that. Now, I agree with you, young future entrepreneur, seeing apprenticeships as the path to entrepreneurship has been our perspective since day one because of our personal experience. And that's why we started Dynamite Jobs. It's basically like, okay, remember that mission we talked about at the top? We help entrepreneurs go great location-independent businesses. Well, how do you do that? You put great people on their teams. That's sort of the charter of Dynamite Jobs. So how do you get on one of these teams as an apprentice? I got a few quick tips for you. There'll be four of them. So let's get started. Tips for apprentices. The first is don't be thirsty, be fit worthy. And it follows then that you should be fluent about the object, not the subject. So this is a strange way to put it. So let me describe it. What tends to happen is that these apprenticeships are such an enormous opportunity in the way they're presented that when you're communicating with the founder, you can tend to be a little bit thirsty, a little bit too needy, a little bit too clamorous. And instantly there's a power dynamic there. You're more like uh, presenting yourself as an intern, actually. If you could think about traditional industries, 
that are super popular, say, you know, marketing in New York City or, you know, working for an NFL team or something, you might just be so clamorous just to be an intern and get coffee. Well, with an apprenticeship, you really need to be fit worthy. You need to be somebody that can be at the table and have a conversation where the power is relatively balanced. And so you need to demonstrate that you can have that conversation from day one. So one way you can do that is you can be fluent in the object, not the subject. So the object is the work that you're actually doing. The subject is your identity and the identity of the company you're pitching yourself to. So even though it sounds strange, I mention it because this is the biggest mistake that would-be apprentices make, is that they say, you are awesome for all these reasons. I admire you for all these reasons. I think your knowledge is valuable for all these reasons. I am likewise somewhat amazing because of all these skill sets and these experiences or whatever. Like, we should get together and do the dance. Like, let's make this thing happen. Okay. That is a bad approach. And the reason is, is that that's not the type of conversation that moves the business forward. That's not the type of conversations that entrepreneurs have. If you suspect that an entrepreneur is running an apprenticeship because they want to be admired by someone younger than them, you should apply for a different job. That's not the, that's not the gig you want. You want someone who's, bleeding about their business and is desperate or motivated to do something about it. And they need someone with some chops to talk to about that. So my challenge to you is, can you ask the right questions? Can you get on that interview? Or when you're applying, can you say, hey, what do you see as the future of this thing? Or what kind of role do you think I could play here? Those are the sorts of questions. If you brainstorm a list of them that a colleague would ask, that's someone who understands the object, in other words, of what that entrepreneur is trying to accomplish. You don't need to understand everything. You just need to know how to ask the right questions. So that's my first tip. Don't be thirsty. Be fit-worthy. You're trying to find out just like them, is this a good fit? Number two, don't let earning get in the way of learning. You're playing long ball here. We're thinking about your career as a multi-decade pursuit. The whole reason that entrepreneurs are able to create these apprenticeships is that they're not a financial risk. So if you demand at the beginning or early in the game that you're, quote, paid what you're worth, or that you need to make a certain amount in order to do whatever, you're letting earning get in the way of learning. It's Frankly, it's irresponsible for an entrepreneur to carve out a meaningful salary out of a business that's task to pay other professionals like their livelihood in order to sort of take a flyer on a new revenue stream. So that's the partnership that essentially you're cutting with the entrepreneur that you're going to earn below, in many cases, way below industry standards. And through the course of many, many months of work, work yourself up to what ideally would look like a living wage. And frankly, these are generally high upside positions. So who knows? But my advice, if what you want one day is financial freedom, what you need is the know-how of entrepreneurship, not to get paid a living wage when you're in your mid-20s. That's not the point. So don't let earning get in the way of learning. And of course, that depends on you either being willing to make sacrifices. So you might not have a cool car. I had a $350 car at one time. You might have to sleep on somebody's couch. Uh, you might have to start thinking about your personal finances right now. Is the number one reason people don't learn these skills is because they got to get a paycheck or they got to pay a debt or that they got to 
wear the same clothes or go to the same clubs as their friends. So if those are your priorities, you will let earning get in the way of learning. Number three, learn the important rules and discard the rest. Look, in any company, in any group of people, social situation, there are certain rules that are inviolable. And as someone with integrity, you should have some of those for yourself too. Are you willing to go work for a shady company for a year to learn shady tactics so that one day you can resurrect and be a good entrepreneur or whatever? Don't do that. So have a sense of integrity. I don't feel like I need to tell everybody that, but I'll just say it. I've seen some examples of this over the past few weeks because there was an SEO conference here in Chiang Mai. I wouldn't say it's like the norm in the SEO space, but it's not uncommon for people to make a living doing unethical things, whether that's, you know, directly copying competition and stealing their traffic or like doing negative things to like people's businesses, manipulating people to like buy things that they might, you know, just kind of stuff that's like pretty crappy, you know, not something that you would feel good about doing, not something you could be proud of or tell your family or friends what you're doing. But people do it. Why do they do it? Well, because they feel like they could get an edge, they can make a little bit of money. And everybody thinks that, well, one day I'm going to do it right. The problem, of course, is that you get in that habit and you learn the know-how of making money the wrong way. And often it becomes this cyclical thing of like, I got money, it's gone. I got money, it's gone. And so you don't want to live that way. That's all to say, I think it's important to have your own personal constitution. Again, this comes back to being fit-worthy. You are vetting your mentor just as much as they are vetting you. So don't over-kiss their ass, right? You're trying to sniff out, is this person ethical? Is this person worth my energy? I'm sacrificing a lot to lay it on the line for this company. I want to figure out like what this person's all about. So those rules are important. But then there's all these other rules that exist in a business. And don't give them too much credence. And they often manifest under something like, well, this is the way things are done around here. And one of the things I've mentioned to our apprentices is, look, don't assume that because we do things this way, that it's smart or that we like really thought that through. Here's the reality is most things that happen in a business are simply historical accidents that some worked one way or the other, maybe worked okay, and then got cemented in. People built jobs around those things, and now they exist as sort of, quote, the way we do things around here. Your job as an apprentice is to break through all that, is to see through it, and to focus on what's really good for the business. There's a chance to improve every one of those things. And that's why you've been brought into the building. Those were all just decisions that were made at some random Wednesday four years ago. And it doesn't mean that there can't be a great deal of value in questioning them and improving them. All right, finally, own your mistakes. Founders are experts in making mistakes. And I think it's, of course, tempting if you're in a high-stakes situation to obscure, to hide, to cover over or to put a rosy face on it. But by owning your mistakes, you can set yourself apart from others and you can really earn the trust of your founder. Again, founders have gotten to where they are because they're trying to find a sense of reality. They're trying to figure out where they're making mistakes. And you know, I think about over the past 10 years, I've probably launched 100 projects and now I work on three. 
if you get into the reality business, if you get into the owning your mistakes business, you're going to find yourself in good company. So when you first get started, it might be tempting to try to present yourself as a omniscient, mistakeless apprentice, but nobody expects that. In fact, you will earn a great deal of trust if you're willing to own up to the things that you've done, both positive and negative. Good luck getting your life-changing apprentice, lot of apprentice-like positions over at Dynamite Jobs. And if you're a founder and you'd like our help in creating such an apprentice post, we'd be happy to do so. Check us out at Dynamite Jobs, something we do. It's pretty cool to be able to do a podcast that's relevant to business we're running. For those of you curious about where the boss man is this week, he's on yet another vacation. Ah, the perks of being an entrepreneur. I assume he'll be back next week, but who knows at this point. (laughs) We would love to hear your thoughts on this one. What do you think about hiring apprentices? Have you done it? Do you have tips? Let us know in the comments. This one is going to be posted at tropicalmba.com slash hiring apprentices. And we'll be back next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.